All right, we're uh, continuing our series this morning that we've uh, just called uh, Sex, God's Gift. And so if you just sort of stumbled in here and you hadn't been here in a few weeks or whatever, I didn't want you to be shocked. You know what I mean? I don't want you to be, whoa, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know we were talking about that. So there's your warning. We are. <coughs> now you know. Uh, there's so much diversity in our church, um, so many viewpoints. On any given subject, we could talk about there would be, you know, a huge variety of opinions in the room, right? So, so like, uh, I'm thinking, if we talked about the 2016 presidential election, I'm not going to talk about it. If we were going to talk about it, I guarantee you there would be a giant variety of opinions in the room about what needs to happen and how it needs to happen and all of that stuff. If we were to kind of poll the room and talk about movies, man, there would be a huge variety. Like, you know, like how many of you have seen uh, uh, The Martian? Yes? Nobody? I'm the only one that's seen The Martian? Yes? Anybody? Man, is it... Okay, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Everybody who's seen The Martian apparently sits together. Great movie. Great movie. Like, I like sci-fi, right? So, like, when the trailer came out, how many of you have seen the trailer for the new Star Wars? A, a few, yes. I think I cried. I was like, yes. But it's just not fast enough. So, some of you hate sci-fi, right? Yeah, I get it. If we were to talk about food, there'd be a huge variety. And there, there are people that stand in our foyer every Sunday after church for 30 minutes saying, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? No, I've been there. No, I ate that last night. Where do you want to eat? Where do you want to eat? Somebody needs to come up and says, thus says the Lord, eat it, whatever. Go. Turn the lights off when you leave and lock the door. Everybody has certain thoughts about everything. Certain ways... And thoughts, what, ways they think about things and ways that they uh, do things. And that's certainly true in the subject of sex. God said, though his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. So as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, it is our goal to let his thoughts become our thoughts and his ways become our ways. Like, we want to do things the way God does them. We want to think the way that God thinks. So, I don't follow Jesus because of what He said. Throughout history, there's a lot of people who have said a lot of things. Anybody, in fact, can say anything they want to say. I follow Jesus not because of what He said. I follow Jesus because of what He did. Any God that can predict His own death and resurrection in advance and then pull it off. There's only one of those last time I checked. Millions of people have made billions of claims and died. And they stayed dead. Jesus made claims and He came back from the dead and resurrected and walked among His disciples. Now here's what's important. That means what Jesus said is different than what anybody on, on earth has ever said. His words are different than everybody else's words. So, what does Jesus say about marriage? Matthew chapter 19, verse 3 and 4. Some Pharisees came to test Him. They asked the question, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Okay, so you got some guys here who are struggling with marriage. 
or divorce or their wife or whatever. They want out. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Now, that's a very interesting question to ask a Pharisee. Haven't you read? It's their job to read. Their job was to know the Scripture, every vowel, every consonant, every sentence, every word, the original language, the law. They had given their entire life by occupation. To, the, to knowing the law. So it's a very offensive question to ask them, haven't you read? It's almost like asking a librarian, have you ever seen a book? Do you know what a book looks like? Do, can you read? I mean, that's what he's saying. Haven't you read? Now, and he says uh, there in Matthew 19, he says that in the beginning, God made them male and female. Now, so marriage was designed by God for a man... And a woman. Now, this is not a political statement. It's a theological statement. This was Jesus' opportunity if he wanted to redefine what marriage was from Genesis. It was his opportunity to change it. He didn't change it. He reaffirmed it. Now, this wasn't decided by a committee somewhere. It was decided and spoken by the person who died, rose from the dead, and paid for my sin. That's the one who said it. Now, even though it might not be sound politically correct at times, it's the version of marriage that I'll, I'll always affirm. Why will I always affirm it? Because I'm doing my best, and I'm not perfect at it, but I'm doing my best to follow Jesus. So that's why I have to affirm what Jesus affirms. I have to, I have to follow what Jesus said, because His ways are, are higher than my ways, and His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. He's smarter than I am. He's better than I am. So I have to try to yield myself to him. So I, I don't teach that affirmation of what Jesus said because I'm mad at anybody or I hate anybody. I teach it because I feel a responsibility to the Scripture. Now, if you were here last Sunday, if you weren't here last Sunday, I want to encourage you, go back and get the podcast that's uh, uh, loaded up now. I want to encourage you to listen uh, because I, I, we get very, very tense in the room. A lot of tension. A lot of... A lot of things we talked about that were tense. But I had a young person come to me after one of the services last Sunday and say to me, I want you to know something. I, I lived a homosexual lifestyle and uh, three or four years ago I came to this church and this church loved me and accepted me and helped me and didn't judge me, didn't criticize me, didn't put me down but loved me, and I want you to know here, I have, found, I have found freedom. I no longer live that lifestyle. I have grown in faith. I have found my identity in Jesus. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate the things that you said this morning. Now that, yes, go ahead. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So Matthew nineteen five, continuing in this passage, Jesus said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, all the single ladies, I want to say something to you. The way you know that a guy's ready to get married is he leaves his father and his mother. If he's 28 playing Xbox in his pajamas all day, I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't think he's ready for marriage. Right? Eating popsicles. This scripture says... The man leaves his mother and his father. They get married. The couple gets married. And they begin together their sexual relationship. 
That's what that says. Husband leaves mom and dad, they get married, they have sex. Right? That's what it says. This verse plainly lays that out, Matthew uh, 19.6. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So what he's saying there is, they're no longer two different people. They're one, one person joined together now. And there is a mystical, and a, in other words, this is more than physical. There is a union that has taken place that transcends the physical act of sex alone. They have been joined in heaven. They have been joined on earth. They have been joined by the community of faith. They have been joined in the presence of witnesses. They have been joined in intimacy. They have been joined in every way. So we've talked through this series about the circle of successful sex. So I just want you to see it again. Maybe you've missed the series till now. Basically what Jesus and the scriptures say to us is, this is the circle of successful sex. Husband and wife inside the circle is where successful sex happens. Everything outside the circle is where brokenness and burdens come from. This is God's boundary. So we've talked about the blessing of sex. We talked last week about the brokenness of sex. Today I want to talk to you about the boundary, the boundaries of sex. We'll talk today and next week on the boundaries of sex, and then we'll then the series will end. But the older I get the more I understand God's boundaries as God's blessings in my life. The more I understand why He's done things the way that He did. Look, anybody, how many parents we got out there? How many of you have ever raised a child? Yes? Most people. Okay. You know as well as I do, you give a three-year-old a butter knife, they're going right for the electric outlet. Don't know why. Why? Why do you do that? I don't know. No, you know, uh, uh, why can't I lay down and play with the pit bull that's chained to the tree next door? No, because you can't do that. Because you're three and it might chew you into hamburger meat. That's not going to happen. You know, why can't I, the little child, why does every child when you let them run free in the yard, where do they run for? The street. Why? Why do they do that? I don't know why they do that. But I guarantee you, you pick that child up and you say, no, no, no. Daddy, spank. You know, whatever you say. You know, no, time out. Whatever you say. No. And they look at you and they go, you know how kids work up a face? You ever notice this? Like it turns and before the rain comes. Mm, you see the dark clouds? Mm, mm, and you go, oh no, everybody hold yours. It's coming. Right, the siren's coming. Pick them up, put them back in the yard, put the butter knife down, chase the pit bull away. What are you doing? All of that stuff? Why do they do that? And, and the kid says, you're ruining my fun. I still remember when my oldest son told me when he was a little kid, uh, something I was not letting him do. And he goes, I'm not your friend no more. And I thought, <laughs> friend no more. Let's get one thing straight. We're never going to be friends. <laughs> Let's just straighten that out right now. I laughed at him in his face. I thought, we're not going to do manipulation. Your friend. Not your friend, I'm your dad. Get over yourself. But I realized that what God is doing when he puts boundaries is the same thing that we do with our kids. I'm not trying to ruin their fun by not letting you put the butter knife in the electric outlet. Trying to save your life. So you live old enough to give your mom some peace, thank God. Right? I'm trying to protect you. And this is what happens. God is saying to us, this boundary is a blessing. Now, outside this boundary are incredible burdens. We talked about some of that last week. Are, is incredible brokenness. Now, it's a tough circle to stay in. It is a tough 
circle to stay in. It's a tough circle to stay in. Now, some of you, no, 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 it's not tough for me to stay in. Yeah, you probably walked on water on the way here since it's raining. You'll raise a couple of dead people after service is over. If you have a phone and a computer, it's a tough circle to stay in. It's a tough circle to stay in. There is a shrinking number of TV commercials you can even watch. I just see the Hardy's hamburger commercial. I don't know if I'm supposed to want to eat the burger or make out with the burger. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You can't even watch commercials anymore. It's tough to stay in the circle. But I want to talk about the boundaries of sex this morning and how to stay in them. And for all the guys in the room, I think it begins with us knowing a woman's heart. And this morning, I'm going to give you five desires that are in her heart. Okay? Now, actually, there's only one thing that anybody needs to know about women. Only one. You got your pen? Since nobody knows what that is, I'm going to give you these five. <laughs> Actually, I'll give you two today, and we'll finish next week. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling some of my thoughts today from a book called uh, Pulling Back the Shades. And I, I'll, I'll show you the book here. Pulling Back the Shades. It's written by Dana Gresh and Dr. Julie Slattery. This was an interesting book. Um, the authors, when the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon swept the country, <coughs> I don't know the final numbers, but the book sold, you know, wildly successful. The movie was wildly successful by economic standards. And so these two ladies, one of these authors said, I read the book, the other one said, I didn't. But they co-authored this book that was kind of a Christian reaction to Fifty Shades of Grey. And uh, one of the ladies said, um, I just knew when this started that, that Christian women would not be swept up in this. I knew that wouldn't happen. She said, I was shocked when, when it all happened. <coughs> how, how oftentimes Christian women were swept up into this Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon and whatever watched the movie or read the book. And so I want to encourage you. Look, I'm, I'm not, like last week, I'm not throwing rocks at you. I didn't, I didn't come to condemn you. If, if you are a lady and you read the book or saw the movie or, or guy, I would encourage you to get this book. Uh, because I think the time that our discernment is lowest is during a time of entertainment. During a time when we're laughing or we're moved or we're crying, we see something, it seeps in, it shapes our philosophy, it shapes our theology, we're entertained, we're engaged, and our discernment is low. And I would encourage you to, to I mean, I'm, I don't know these people, I don't make anything, but I would encourage you, you can probably get it on Amazon pretty cheap at this point. So in this book, what these ladies say is, um, they define five desires uh, that's in every woman's heart. So, ladies, these desires are in your heart, and if you try to meet them in a misguided way, it'll cause problems. Uh, so, men, if you will fight for those desires rather than fight against them, it will help you in your relationship with your wife or your, or your future wife. So, what I want to do is take these desires and either show you the scriptural principle that give them to us, or show you the scriptural principle that meets that need. So here's the first one. 
Uh, five things in every woman's heart. The first one is to escape reality. Is there a mom in the room that's ever looked at your kid and said, you go outside? Right? You go outside now. I love you, but I don't want to see your little face right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I can remember when I was a kid once. I don't remember how old I was, but my mom's the most patient human that God ever put on earth other than Jesus himself. And I had hounded her to death. She worked hard. She did all the, you know, grocery shopping and cooking. And she, she had a tough life and she, she worked hard. And she was patient with me and I don't know why, but I remember saying, Mom, I just want to go, for, I don't know how old I was, I want to go for a walk down the road. That's a big thing, I want to go for a walk. No, well, you can go to that driveway and come back. No, I don't want to go to that driveway and come back. I want to go further. Mom, Mom, can I just go a little further? Can I go a little further? And I wore her out so bad that finally I still can picture her standing there over a skillet and a spatula in her hand, looked at me and she said, you go out into the street and you play and you walk and I don't care how far you go or if you ever come back. And I went, ooh. My mom had never said anything like that. I went, I broke mom. I broke her. She's broke. She doesn't work right anymore. And I went and sat down in the living room and watched TV. I'm not going anywhere. I broke mom. Crying, I felt so bad. My mom never spoke to me that way in my entire life. But you know that feeling, mama, 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 mama. Can I, mama, can I do? Mama, can I come over? Mama, can I, mama, can I get there? Mama, can I buy that? Mama, can you take me to store? Some of you about to, like, you about to shoot me down. This is too real from your own life. I just need a break. I just need five minutes because I want to sit here and escape reality. Because I'm tired of changing diapers. I knew a young mother in our church in, uh, when we were in Florida. She had four small children and she homeschooled them. And I remember her saying to me and my wife one day, she said, I can't even go to the bathroom. And she had a bass voice by this point. She said, I go to the bathroom. And I'm sitting there and I see shadows of their feet under the door. And I can hear them breathing. And they'll say, shh, leave mom alone. Shh, she's in her private time, leave mom alone. Shh, no, you be going, no, stop hitting me, stop touching me. She said, if I could just go to the bathroom, I want to eat food that nobody else takes a bite of. I want to drink something from a cup. Can I have a drink, mom? I'm, just, I'm tired, just waiting hot. Thanks, bye. When it comes to escaping reality, <laughs> how many of you women know, understand what I'm saying? it comes to escaping reality, here's the truth. By the time a woman turns 18 years old, she's been told 250,000 times that she's not beautiful. 250,000 times. Media tells you you're not beautiful. Magazines tell you. TV shows tell you. The latest fashion tells you. Pictures tell you you're not as pretty as you used to be. You look at a picture from 10 or 15 or 20 years ago and you say, oh man, that's back. Back when I was pretty, you come to church and you think you look pretty and then you see what somebody else is wearing and now you feel not pretty again. And you know, we've never, in all the prayer times we have at our church, we have a lot of prayer times, we've never one time had a woman respond to a, a prayer time and say, I have a desperate need in my soul, you have to pray for me. I feel pretty all the time and I don't know what to do about it. You have to pray for me, there's a sickness going on inside. When you take a selfie, you don't ever post the first one. Stop! About the 17th one, right? No, 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 no. When, 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 uh, every woman that looks at a group photo, if you don't look good in it, the whole group looks bad. Right? 
Show any woman a picture of herself and she will show you her flaws. Because they're, they're the first thing she sees. Since she struggles to feel beautiful, she longs to escape reality. This is what is so dangerous. And this is where the vulnerability comes from that a Fifty Shades of Grey has preyed upon. Now, let me tell you, there's a difference between fantasy and fiction. Let me tell you the difference. Fiction is a story that could happen one day. Like the movie Taken. Right? Somebody's daughter could be taken and sold into human trafficking. Now, the only part that couldn't happen is no dad could do that. That's like not really true. No matter how bad you think you are, you're not that bad. But, but it could happen. The rest of the story could happen. That's the difference in fiction. Now, here's fantasy. Fantasy is a story that's never going to happen in a galaxy far, far away. It's never going to happen. Star Wars is never going to happen. Avengers is never going to happen. Incredible Hulk, no guy's ever going to turn green and blow his clothes out and go knock buildings down. It's never going to happen. That's all fantasy. Now, listen to me. Men, the problem with pornography is it's fantasy, it's not fiction. It's not fiction. It's like eating junk food. It's like eating Twinkies and cupcakes and Skittles. It's not even food. There's nothing in there that's alive or nutritious or helpful. In fact, it'll eventually kill you. It's fantasy food. Why do you think we have fantasy football? Because we have a bunch of guys playing on the computer pretending like they're playing football. It's never going to happen. You're not playing in the NFL. No matter how good your fantasy team does, that's why it's called fantasy. The problem with erotica reading is that it's not fiction, it's fantasy, it's not real, it's never going to happen, but because of a woman's desire to escape reality, women will step across that line, even Christian women, because, because of that desire, men will also step across that line, and the first step outside of the circle of successful sex is always emotional, then physical. It's always emotional, then physical. And so you sit there and you say, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just reading a book. I'm just watching a movie. I'm just looking at pornography. I'm not hurting anybody. Satan doesn't want you to hurt anybody. He just wants you to take a step. Just take a step. Just put one foot outside the circle and stand there. And when a rock doesn't fall on you and kill you immediately, you'll think you're okay. Now take a second step. Now take another step, and you're playing with fire. And the next thing you know, you've taken more steps than you intended to. More pain has been unleashed than you ever thought it would. You've done things you never thought you would do, and you've become more dissatisfied with reality than you ever thought you would. And now you can't get enough fantasy to satisfy you. That's the path. What is the scriptural answer to this need to escape reality? I, I'm not against. I think every husband should be in tune with his wife's need to escape reality and try to help her do trips, do fun things. Yes, get, get, get away from the kids. <laughs> Take a vacation. Do things together. I'm for, all, I'm for feeding that emotional need. But now to the ladies, I want to say this. What's the answer to, to the need to escape? I'm not saying it's easy. Find your identity and your value in God. You are a daughter of God. Guys, you are a son of the Most High God. God loved you so much that He laid His life down for you. And that means there is phenomenal value in you. 
There's unbelievable value. You are the most valuable thing in the whole universe. You want to escape reality. The way to escape reality is not fantasy. It is greater reality. The greater reality is one day every tear will be wiped away. One day every disease will die. One day every need of your soul and heart will be met for eternity and you will be satisfied forever and ever. And even while you live on this earth, you are not of this world. You belong to another kingdom and the kingdom of God is joy, peace, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. That is a greater reality. That's how you escape reality. Understanding our greater reality and true identity helps us deal with this reality. Now, I just want to say this, and I either want you to, I either want you to absorb it or write it down. However, however you can. If the only way you can be sexually satisfied is to cross the line into fantasy, pornography, or erotica, you are wrongly using sex to meet some deeper need in your soul that only Jesus can meet. Now that's the truth. If you, if you, are, if you struggle with sexual dissatisfaction and, you're, and, you, and you've, you've brought into your life fantasy, pornography, erotica, you are trying to meet a need in the soul that only Jesus can meet. And so sex, as we said, is God's gift. God's blessing. It's not meant to be a medicine for the soul. It's not meant to replace what only Jesus can, can give us. Sex is God's gift to bless the husband and wife. Why do you think our world's gone sexually crazy? I'll tell you why. Why do we keep pushing the limits further and further and further trying to invent new sexual things? And look, I can just go ahead and predict to you the future. I'll go ahead and be a prophet today. It's not going to slow down. I read an article the other day about uh, artificial intelligence and sexuality and some guy creating uh, uh, robotic things that people have sex with and uh, by some year, it's supposed to be replacing human, human intimacy. And you go, we're not going to stop. I'm telling you we're not going to stop. And here's why we're not going to stop. Because our soul is sick. And we can't find satisfaction till we find Jesus. So we keep looking deeper in the wrong places for it. But when you find Jesus, it doesn't mean that it takes away your desire to, to have sex. Does that mean we live in some legalistic denial of sexual desire? No. If sex is God's gift, I want you to think about this, Rem, then sexual desire is God's gift. Where where'd that come from? Did you just make that up? You just invent that? You just decide one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sexual and I'm going to have a desire for sex? No. God gave you that desire and He also gave the gift. So look, I'll tell you what my hope is for our church. I, you know, people say, we're the friendliest church you've ever seen. I hope we're the most sexually active church in Alabama. Wouldn't that be incredible? Oh, man, go there. They love each other. Man, their married couples are happy. Why? Why, why is that not wrong? Why is that right? Because it's God's gift. I'll tell you this right now. In the circle between husband and wife, when there is romance and sex and communication and friendship, things are good and they are good for everybody. Mom is happy and dad is happy and the kids are happy. I guarantee it. 
when those gifts that God has given flow the way they should. All right, here's the second one. <coughs> Desire of a woman's heart <clears throat> to be cherished by a man. To be cherished by a man. Now look, all of us have that in Christ, men and women alike. Single men, single women, you have that in Jesus. God cherishes you in Jesus Christ. God values you. That's where we get our identity from, is from the love of God. But something unique to women is the desire to be pursued and valued and cherished by a man. Now, I want to uh, show you, we pick this up in, you know, movies pick this up in our theme sometimes. Maybe, maybe you remember this movie that came out, whatever, not long ago. Uh, the reason these movies are such big hits is because they are about the pursuit. They are about the pursuit of, of, a, of a woman's heart. Now, uh, maybe there's another one, maybe, you, okay, see, this is my idea, you know, you attack my woman, I'm going to start a revolution. This is kind of my idea of a, that guy had to be from the South, right? Yeah. We love stories that are stories of a woman being cherished. And what's interesting, though, is the world that Jesus was born in 2,000 years ago was more barbaric than the world that we live in today. Women and children were viewed as property. Uh, every man who could afford it, most men who could afford it, had multiple wives. Because wives were property. Wives were like cattle. Wives were like land. And, 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 uh, and oftentimes, they were nothing more than sex slaves. Now watch this. Do the research and find it. Women had no value in history until Jesus came along. What did Jesus do? Jesus had female followers. Jesus affirmed women. Jesus announced the resurrection, the single greatest event in world history. He announced it first to women. And He honored women. And Jesus placed value on women. You can't tell me all religions are equal. All religions are not equal. Followers of Jesus, think about the barbaric world that Jesus came along in. Followers of Jesus would actually write these words. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, you don't know my wife. She's complicated. I wouldn't argue with you. I wouldn't know any better. She's complicated. She's difficult to deal with. She's impossible sometimes. Do you think that Jesus ever looks at the church and says, she has lost her ever-living mind? Do you think he ever looks down at us as the church and says, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know how they came to that conclusion. I don't know why they're so complicated. I don't know why they won't just cooperate. Do you think Jesus ever looks at the church? But you know what? He loves her. He loves her anyway. He loves us. And trust me, we've caused plenty of problems. I've caused plenty of problems. You've caused plenty of problems. Jesus looks at his bride and says, I still love you. Verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. How does a man cherish a woman? A lot of times it comes through the way he talks to her. Washing through the word. Uh, look, our wives are going to battle with wrong ideas. And many of the wrong ideas will be about themselves. Because we live in a culture and in a world that has devalued women or wrongly valued women for so long, 250,000 times by the time a woman's 18, she's heard you're not pretty. Or, or she's heard you're pretty for the wrong reason. 
And so a lot of the battle that comes into our wife's mind is going to be a misunderstanding of her own identity. It is our job, guys and future husbands, to fill in the gap by speaking God's word to her and God's value to her. She has a God-given identity, and as she finds it and becomes convinced of it, she becomes powerful and effective and loving and fulfills her potential. Doesn't that sound just like Jesus' plan for the church? It's not what you say, a lot of times, but how you say it. I didn't know I had a tone till I got married. I didn't know I had a tone. What's your tone? What is a tone? Is it a shade of color, paint? I'm talking about tone. Don't talk to me in that tone. I was just talking. I didn't know I had a tone. Any of you guys? I didn't know I had a tone. Just talk. What, what difference? What difference does the tone look? Your wife can become the tone police. Da, 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 da. We're not going to talk like that. Like what? Like what? We're not going to disagree. No, you're not going to talk in that tone. What does that matter? So I talk to everybody else. I'm not everybody else. Well, okay. Well, all right. If you're going to be right, then that's going to change everything. I used to think, what does that have to do with anything? Can I tell you? It has everything to do with everything. And your wife is instinctively aware of that, probably more than you are as a guy. And she will help you in your tone with everybody else. <laughs> your children, your children register it. Why is dad yelling at me? I wasn't yelling. I was just trying to get him to hand me the remote control. I, I didn't give his attention. So I just ramped it up a little bit. Verse 27. And to present her to himself... As a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. This is a woman who is cherished by her husband. She is radiant and powerful and glowing. Uh, now, here's the thing i got to say to ladies, though. When he's cherishing you and he's loving you and he says, You look so beautiful today. Don't give him frowny face. I know what I mean? Oh, no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm ugly and I know I'm ugly and everybody knows I'm ugly. Don't you dare come and tell me I'm pretty. Don't do frowny face. Don't do stressy face. Don't please. Don't do that. When your husband says, you look so beautiful, they say, thank you. Thank you for noticing. What gets rewarded gets repeated. You've got to be a good receiver. And sometimes we're not good receivers because we're too insecure to receive positive things. But you've got to be secure enough in your identity as a woman of God to say, I am valuable and you are affirming my value as my husband. And I should receive that. That's a good thing. That's a godly thing. Single guys and married guys. Be very careful how you talk about Women and your wife. The way I hear some guys talk about women and their wives really, really, really frustrates me. You know, uh, it's my old woman and the old lady and, the, and all of this, all these other words that you can attach to it. And, and, and some of you guys in the room, you think it's okay because you only talk that way when she's not around. Now listen. Let's put that 
way of communicating onto Jesus. And let's see if it works. So let's pretend that Jesus, when you can hear him, says, you know, I love you. You're my beloved. I have a destiny for you. I have plans for you. You're the apple of my eye. But when Jesus moves away and you can't hear him, he says, that stupid, nasty church, they're a skank. They're hopeless. I'm going to get what I want out of them and I'm going to move on. Now, does it work? No, it doesn't work. You can't see, you can't imagine Jesus talking that way, whether you can hear him or not. And so I, I want to encourage you guys to cherish your wife. Man, it, it has a lot to do with attitude. And that attitude is reflected whether she can hear you or not. And so, and so you have to guard um, how you speak. What you feed your mind with. Watching TV shows and listening to music. There are certain genres of music that have a culture about them that is just flat degrading to women. And you feed your soul that stuff, and it's going to come out. And I, I just want to encourage you to, to move that stuff away. Five needs of a woman's heart. Escape reality to be cherished by a man. Next week, we'll finish the other three. I want to ask you to join us. We'll finish the boundaries of sex. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Would you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> I want to ask our prayer team to join me here. It, unless you just absolutely have to leave, I want to ask you just to, just to give me two or three minutes and we'll, and we'll dismiss. But prayer team, would you come now? Uh, everybody else, if you just find a place you could be comfortable Every eye closed. I want to say something to you this morning. Whether you're a man or woman, married or single, it doesn't matter. One of the great thoughts that we've had all day, we stood and sang that song, I am not alone. I am not alone. Can I tell you, this verse says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Can I tell you one of the great, <coughs> one of the great truths that affects all our soul is that Jesus loves you. He doesn't talk one way about you when you're around, another way when you're not. Jesus loves you. God loves you. And I'm telling you, there are people in this room this morning, you're struggling with your identity in Him. You're struggling with His love for you. And I just want to say this to you today. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He doesn't condemn you. He wants to wash you. He wants to strengthen you. His plan for you is better than your plan for yourself. And so I just want to ask you, with every eye closed, if you this morning say, I, I, need, I need God's love in my heart in a greater way. I need God's love in my soul in a greater way. I need His touch. Maybe this morning you're here and you see you're a lady and you say, you know, I do feel that pressure to escape reality. And this morning, I needed to be reminded that I have a greater reality in my marriage, in my life, in my identity, in my parenting. I have a greater reality. Maybe that's you this morning here. And, and, and maybe you're here and you're a couple and you say, there's tension in our relationship and I want to have the kind of love in our marriage that you talked about. If one of those is you, would you just lift a hand and say, would you pray for me today? 
you just pray for me? Man, I, I, I see your hand. Yeah, in the balcony. Yeah, I see it. Just lift your hand and say, would you just pray for me? I see your hand. Yeah. Just lift your hand and say, man, there, I just want prayer today. I want prayer. I want prayer. I need God. I need God's help. I need God's love. We need God's love in our relationship. We need God's help in our marriage. We need. I, 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 need, I need God to help me today. I see your hand. I need God to help me today. I see your hand. I need God to help me today to escape to a greater reality. I need God's help today. Just lift your hand and say, pray for me. Several hands have already gone up. Just lift your hand and say, pray for me. Here's what I want to do. We're going to begin to sing. I'm going to pray. If you need prayer, I want you to come. If you have a need in your life, you just want somebody to agree with Just agree with me. Just agree with me. You, you have no idea the love that you'll feel when you come for prayer. You will feel the love of God. You will feel the love of God. It is the affirmation of the body of Jesus and God using His own church to affirm His love in your life. I want you to come and we'll dismiss. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for the grace of God. I thank you for the love of Jesus. I thank you for the way that you touch and heal and minister and restore. And I thank you for the work you're doing in this room right now.